Pacifica Healthcare in Okilani gets a much-needed boost with a new home opened for the Pacifica Health Service, the Fono, and... Not much drama on the floor of Parliament, but there was a, a lot of things that were said and done behind the scenes. We get a play-by-play account of the PNG Prime Ministerial election earlier this week that saw James Morape win unopposed. The final result of the Cook Islands election has been released with the Cook Islands party set to retain power. Led by caretaker Prime Minister Mark Brown, the dominant party, which has been in power since 2010, closed out the election with 12 of its own seats in the 24-member parliament. According to local media, Mr Brown has also secured the support of two independent MPs from Atu, Rose Brown Toki and Tehani Brown, with whom he intends to form a coalition government. The majority of voters have also said yes to a referendum question on reviewing legislation to enable the use of cannabis for research and medicinal purposes. RNZ Pacific reporter Susana Suisuiki spoke with the Cook Islands news editor Rashnil Kumar about the results. Okay, so uh, the elections uh, were held on uh, August 1st uh, and uh, on the night of the elections uh, the, the votes were counted. And after the the initial votes, uh, the governing Islands party had 10 seats. Uh, the uh, opposition Democratic Party had uh, six seats, and the uh, the Cook Islands United Party, which is one of the new parties, had uh, five seats, and there were three independent seats. Uh, and one of the seats uh, was tied up between Cook Islands Party and United Party. And yesterday, uh, earlier this week, the final counting started, uh, and then the results were released this morning. So after the the final counting, uh, the Cook Islands party managed to gain two more seats, so which brings them to 12 seats now. And uh, one of the seats they gained from Cook Islands United Party uh, in in the Natangia, uh, sorry, in the Titikaweka. Uh, constituency and the other seat was the one that was tied in Natangia. So uh, following that, uh, the CIP now has 12 seats. Uh, the, Democrat, the Democratic Party actually lost one of the seats in Aichitaki uh, to one Cook Islands party. So that means Democratic Party now has uh, uh, five, five seats. And there are three independent seats uh, that remains, and uh, uh, one Cook Islands party has one seat, and the remaining is with the United Party. So uh, as, uh, we have now seven days where the the parties and the candidates will be uh, filing the petitions if they have any. And then after that, then the process of forming the government will, will take place. As it stands, uh, Cook Islands Party, which is the governing party, is all set to uh, retain power with 12 seats. Plus, they've also got the support from two independent candidates from Achu who were part of the government in the last term. 
So that's basically the situation at the moment after the, the final count. When you say that the, the parties and the candidates are able to lodge petitions, I mean, what, what happens during that process? So petitions yeah. is normally if, if uh, so the losing, it's normally from the losing um, candidates and parties. They feel that, you know, uh, the, the, the party that claimed that seat, won that seat, uh, did not follow the rules. Uh, which uh, you know, uh, which is supposed to be followed during the election period or before the election uh, campaigning period, some of them could be treating and stuff like that. And if they, what they will have to do then is uh, bring their grievances to court, and and court will then decide whether the petition stands, and then they will have six weeks uh, to uh, uh, return a verdict on whether it's valid or not. So if there are petitions after a seven-day period, uh, the Kukana's party will have to wait for another six weeks uh, for the petitions to be finalized uh, before they can go ahead and form government. And do you think that's, that's likely to happen with this election? The bigger news normally would be if we don't have any petitions. So since uh, Kukana has gained uh, self-governing status from New Zealand, uh, if I'm if I'm correct, we have had petitions every election. So we do expect it, and I think there are already uh, some parties that have uh, that have been working on that, and uh, we will know by uh, early next week how many petitions uh, uh, have been filed. Have the results for the referendum on legalising cannabis, yes. has that come out as well? It, it came out this morning as well, and uh, an overwhelming number of 62% said yes to the question, should we review our cannabis laws to allow for research and medicinal use? And 35% said no, and the rest was informal. So it seems uh, like there is a huge and overwhelming support uh, to to review the cannabis laws and allow for research and medicinal use. So what will happen um, from there on with the referendum result? Yeah, the Prime Minister, I think, made it clear uh, before or when many decided to bring this referendum and put it part of the elections that this would be a non-binding referendum. So, uh, so it's, uh, I guess it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see what the government of the day does with the results from the referendum. It's, uh, while it's non-binding, but I think the overwhelming number of support for, for review of our laws to allow for research and medicinal use might actually uh, compel the government to take some action. The New Zealand-based Pacifica Health Service, the Fono, has finally found a home. The team officially opened a new branch in Mount Wellington, Auckland, a space large enough to store and pack essential supplies to be distributed to hundreds of families each week. At the ceremony, the Fono launched its latest service, Rangiola, a Pacifica mental health service set to make huge strides towards better well-being. Hansit Pacific's Lydia Lewis has been at the opening. More than 100 community leaders, health experts and government officials came together for the opening. <laughs> Acting Chief Executive of the Pacifica Medical Association, Daula Papa William Jensen, spoke of the huge inequities Pacifica face every day. Today is a significant milestone in the journey of the former. In particular, it honours the vision of our forefathers, the pioneers of the former, 
that they are violence-free, violence-free families and violence-free communities, that they are vibrant, celebrating our cultures and communities and aspirations. Mr Jensen conveyed his deep respect to those who have passed, acknowledging their guidance of the voyage of the Fonos Vaka to Pacifica families' advancement. His prayer is for the new building and service to be a house of healing. Founding member, inaugural chair of the Fono, and keynote speaker at the launch of the new premise, the recently knighted Sir Colin Tukui Tonga acknowledge those who have passed and how far the Fono service has come since it was first launched in 1987. When we started this in the late 80s, there was nothing like this. And people, you either had to go to the local GP and take what you get or you started something for yourself and this is what's happened. Sir Collins says the service was emotional as he reflected on how far the whanau has come since the early days. He was tearful during our interview while reflecting on decades of hard work. The health system is designed around sickness. So if you're, that's why I talked about the car. When it breaks down, you go to a mechanic and gets fixed. And in many ways, the New Zealand health system is built around that kind of ethos. What we try to do is to engage, involve, inform and support the communities to focus on health, um, housing, uh, diets, all of those things that keep people well. And it sounds sensible, but it's actually quite difficult to do. And you won't get that from the conventional family practice model that operates in New Zealand. Whereas if you look at the fauna, they're involved in all kinds of things. You know, food support for when people struggle during the pandemic. They're training young people in the apprentice uh, area. And, and actually, if you talk to public health colleagues, one of the best things you can do for health is to enable people to have enough income so that they are able to buy the right food items, have a warm house, pay for medical care and medicines if they need it. So that's the, if you like, the belief, the philosophy behind uh, the, the genesis of the fauna. But above all, I think it's about community ownership and the communities uh, driving the service. Fast forward three decades and a lot has changed. The Fono has just opened its ninth location in Mount Wellington, Auckland, providing affordable services including dental and social services. CEO Tevita Funaki, who has recently been announced as ProCare's Cooperative Board as Director, representing Pacific Interests, says the Fono does not own the new building just yet. They are renting the new space, but it is a far cry from what the team have been working from. So this kind of gives us a place where we can centralise it, a place where our staff can actually work with. You know, as I said, Seriously, that we wanted a place, this is whale for us, this is our home, that not only drives the aspirations of people that come through our door, but the aspirations of my team, my staff. You know, they want to come here, they feel safe. 
Mr Funaki says the whanau has had to move locations three times in the past year and have been struggling to find a permanent home to house its food hub, where hundreds of food packs are distributed from each week. He says it has been especially tough with increased demand with pressure from COVID-19. The latest New Zealand Ministry of Health report states Pacific peoples have the highest rate of death per 1,000 for all age groups. You know, we've been struggling and with all the COVID stuff. Ofera Tau Lea Lea Usumai is the team lead at the new premise. How tough has this period been for you and your team? It's been tough because we all caught COVID. <laughs> I've, I've been running for two and a half years um, without catching it and then it knocked me three weeks ago. And so, um, yeah, uh, fortunately it was just like a bad cold. But other staff, so when we have staff down, it impacts on us to deliver. And so we call out for other staff, but they're down as well. So, yeah, it's not just in the community, it's in the workplaces. And the cost of living, you see that impacting people? Huge. Yeah, we get people ringing. Sometimes they're ringing angry. And so immediately we know there's something, you know, there's something going on. They're stressed. They're at the point where they're going to break. Despite the compounding challenges the team faces. It's, it's a great space. We're like family here. We pack according to the numbers of the household. So we have standard, medium, large boxes. In addition, we have meat packs. So in the meat packs, we've got pork, mince, um, chicken, sausages. Which is expensive to buy. Which is expensive. I mean, but that, that's like 50, 60 bucks. I don't think families can commit that much. Monaco Ward Councillor Al Filipina was at the launch. He says it's awesome to have a central building in Tamaki Makoro. It's not only for Pacific, so you know, the people need to realise it's not only Pacific, this is for the community. So if you're Pacific, fine, you're welcome. If you're Māori, you're welcome. If you're any ethnic group, you're welcome. If you need the help, they're here. The Fono has also launched its Langi Ola, or Healthy Mind Services, in a bid to better mental health among Pacifica communities and reduce stigma. We will bring you more on that new initiative next week. Earlier this week, James Marape was re-elected unopposed as the Prime Minister of Papua New Guinea, an unusual feat given the country's fractious political landscape. Marape returns to the top job also after a turbulent general election marred by deaths, widespread violence, claims of election fraud and major damages to infrastructure across the country. His Pangu party has won at least 36 of 118 seats and is set to lead a coalition government made up of at least 17 different parties. Joining me to talk a bit more about his return to power is RNZ Pacific's Papua New Guinea correspondent Scott Wide. Thank you, Thomas, for sitting down with him for a lot more, Scott. Tell us how things went down in Parliament earlier this week with the election of the Prime Minister. Um, just before the voting happened, um, the leader of the PNC, Peter O'Neill, was seen walking out of the chamber. Uh, he chose to abstain from the vote, and that left the People's National Congress without uh, a leader on the floor of parliament. And the election of the Prime Minister, uh, James Marape, went uh, unopposed. You know, as I said, not much drama with the Speaker, not much drama with the Prime Minister's election on the floor. Now, this might be not much drama, but it is unusual for Papua New Guinea, is it not? 
Yes, yes, it is. It is highly unusual, and and I guess the you know not much drama on the floor of parliament, but there was, I believe, a lot of uh, a, a lot of things that were said and done behind the scenes, uh, which many people are not privy to at this stage. Uh, eventually, it will come out, but uh, I, I think the strategies that were implemented rendered uh, one side unwilling to put up a candidate, or everybody agreed to the terms of something. Uh, and that was what happened, uh, what played out on the floor of Parliament. Yes, because you were saying not only did Peter O'Neill walk out, but the members of his party then voted for James Marape. Yes, yes, that that was exactly what happened. So, uh, just nuts and bolts, what happens now? Uh, he is the Prime Minister of Prime Minister now, um, and he is appointed a caretaker cabinet. Uh, and, and a lot of people are complaining about, you know, why there's a caretaker cabinet. Uh, but that's the normal process. That's the normal process for a caretaker cabinet to be appointed. And the reason for that is very practical. You have to, the, the prime minister of the day has to manage the ethnicities, the party politics behind the scenes. And that's not talked about in front. Um, but the distribution of the ministries is crucial to ensuring that his government survives for a five-year term, or at least for the first three years until the vote of no confidence period, which the constitution allows for. Now, did any... Um, we Talking a bit about the two women MPs that were elected, uh, um, that's a, a huge, huge, um, I guess, improvement to past elections in Papua New Guinea. Have they ended up in any ministerial portfolios that we know of? Um, not yet, not yet. Rufina Peter is in the PNC. They will have to decide how they, uh, how the numbers are made up when the actual running of government comes into place. Um, but uh, what, she was the first one that was declared unseating Robert Agarobe. And it was a huge, you know, reason to celebrate for many people in Papua seeing the first one. And, and, you know, we thought that that would be the only one. And we were, many people were happy, but at the same time disappointed that there was only one. And then, uh, just as Parliament was voting in the Prime Minister, uh, Kesi Sawang was declared for the Rikost Open seat. Now, the Rikost Open seat is a is a difficult electorate. It's a rural electorate, and it's never you know women who run in the Rikost Open seat have never really been successful. Um, but Kesi Sawang's tried in 2017. She did quite well in the 2017 elections, and she tried again and won. So Kesi has uh, was the Deputy Commissioner for IRC. Uh, so she's had a considerable amount of public service uh, experience uh, and she brings that with her to Parliament. Um, and just to be clear, the, there was another process for... So when does the Cabinet stop being a caretaker and actually there, there's another process for them to be formally um, appointed, is there? So they will... Uh, the, the caretaker cabinet will meet, and it, it's a process that uh, you know that PM will have to consult with you know their own party to decide who should be allocated this and that. Um, they'll also be talking with uh, other parties, uh, and and that will decide the ministerial allocations. That brings us to the end of Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Look at me follow up back next time more.